Hello, welcome to the Servative Hour, an hour of anti-conservative call-in talk radio commentary, and the topic for this September 6th, 2022 is the Nebraska Conservative Movement's War With Itself. And, well, what it is, is it about the conservative movement? Well, I think it's the ideology, the agenda, and the tactics. And this station and this show, well, it's different because you can call in and state your point of view. Now, from the first, like back in 1993, when the cover of Time magazine had Limbaugh and Howard Stern on the cover, and the headline was Shock Jocks. And I thought, well, it's not that Limbaugh's shocking so much as Limbaugh's lying and the biggest lie being that anyone could call in at any time and call him on anything he was saying. Of course, if that was true, the show wouldn't have lasted oh, more than a couple of months because it would have been exposed as a liar. And the biggest lie they have is that oh, they put those who disagree at the front and then have scripted shills set up a straw man to be knocked down and end up kissing the host's posterior. Then there's the local shows where sometimes you can call into some shows, but mostly they limit that by either just lecturing all the time and having guests promoting what they're selling like products referring comments to the email, perhaps. Or they deal with anyone who might be trying to point out where what they're saying isn't true, like a now-fired host of an Omaha station who would treat callers who differed like an insult comic treats hecklers, making it difficult to get a point of view through. But I really like that better than someone who just never lets a point of view be expressed and reserves calling in strictly for the lighter side. No need to talk about politics. We talk enough about that. Let's have some fun. Ha. Huh. Don't really care to add to their humanization of their propagandization. But on this show, you can call in anytime. And the number is 402-474-5086. Turmoil in Nebraska Republican Party is self-inflicted. This is from NebraskaExaminer.com by Chris 
Chapelier, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-E-A-R. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, but that's the best I can do. And this is from August 30th, 2022. There is a great amount of turmoil in the Nebraska Republican Party these days, and it's entirely self-inflicted. As a longtime participant in Republican politics in this state, and as a current member of the Nebraska GOP State Central Committee, which governs the party between its biennial conventions, I am disgusted and somewhat horrified by what is happening to my party. The group that overthrew party leadership last month doesn't appear interested in electing Republicans. Instead, they are imposing purity tests and expelling members, candidates, and elected officials for the, quote, crime of thinking differently than they do. They are pushing things to the extreme. Even what it means to be a Republican has changed. It doesn't matter anymore how conservative you are. The only thing that matters is if you agree with former President Donald Trump on the 2022 on the 2020 election. Nothing else matters. What I saw on August 20th at the state party meeting was a display of incompetence and lack of political awareness. The body nearly passed resolutions calling on the legislature to criminalize all abortions with no exceptions and an Orwellian redefinition of, quote, non-Republican, unquote, to mean any Republican who doesn't agree with them 100%. If the measure passes in any form, the Nebraska GOP would be codifying the exact thing that many complained previous chairman Dan Welsh and Governor Pete Ricketts did in previous elections. All of this is without mentioning electing as national committee woman, a person who attended the January 6th rally and who has, at the very least, flirted with supporting one of two independent candidates for governor in this fall's election. Contrary to current Nebraska Republican Party policy and the extreme policies they seek to implement. At the August 20th state party meeting, I was struck by the tone of so many other members. They have been misled and stirred into a frenzy, leading them to feel as if they're the real Republicans, while believing that anyone who did not agree with every measure was afraid of, quote, we the people, unquote. It was the, manif- it was the manifestation of the us-against-them mentality that will eventually consume them all and force out those who dare to disagree. There, then there is the tweet from August 19th. There is no excuse for tweeting out a graphic sexual illustration. Yet Chairman Eric Underwood and his supporters are making excuses online and in radio interviews. Removing the communications director and a half-hearted apology isn't enough. The post was online for nearly 10 hours and remained online for five hours after Eric Underwood made a statement to the media that, quote, the tweet showcases the hard facts, unquote, only to change to saying the post wasn't authorized. 
With Eric Underwood at the helm, the Nebraska GOP is a worthless entity. Our nominees need support, yes, but I cannot trust Eric Underwood. He is just as responsible, and it is obvious that he is nowhere near ready to lead the state party. Being chairman is not something you can learn on the job, particularly with forced leadership changes four months before a general election. He should have come into this position prepared or not at all. It is clear that Eric Underwood and his supporters forced these changes based on a lust for power rather than a goal to elect Republicans. I support my party's nominees, but I cannot support the leadership of Eric Underwood or any party official who continues to support or prop up his regime. It will, he will be the ruin of the party, not just in November, but potentially for years to come. This is why I call on Nebraska GOP Chairman Eric Underwood to resign. And so that is why the topic for this evening is the Nebraska conservative movement's war with itself. As I said, the phone number is 402-474-5086. Call in, and you'll be immediately live on the air. Now, this is also a national phenomenon, of course, from Politico.com. And we'll get back to more of Nebraska after this article. Pence skips Faith and Freedom Conference, is attacked by Trump anyways. The ex-Veep finds himself at a crossroads, unable to lean on his once bedrock constituency. Spy Meredith McGraw and Adam Wren from uh, like June 17, 2022. Nashville, Tennessee. And I found this looking for the Faith and Freedom Coalition. The Nebraska Freedom Coalition figures prominently in articles which I will get to after this. Nashville, Tennessee, the Faith and Freedom Coalition's annual gathering of social conservatives was once Mike Pence's home turf. The former vice president would attend the conference each year to address an audience of like-minded evangelicals, who were eager to hear him speak and elevate him politically. That was then. This year, Pence has taken on a new persona among the crowd, a Trump-era cast-off who is probably better off not showing his face. And he seems to know it. The former Veep was invited to the conference, but declined, decided not to attend. It was the first time Pence had missed the conference in five years. Quote, I was such a big fan of his, but that part of the Republican Party is the educational elites. The old horses are on their way out, said Mary Oberstadt, the immediate past president of Nashville Republican Women. She wore rhinestone Trump and DeSantis pins on her conference lanyard. Quote, I respect him for what he did and how he served this nation, but he's so disappointing when he he should have communicated and stayed with Trump. With January 6th, they should have been on the same level. End quote. 
Pence's absence from this year's conference was due to a scheduling conflict, according to the conference organizers and Pence's team. On Thursday, he attended a roundtable with Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. But while he still is rooted in the Christian conservative community, having attended an event with the coalition in North Carolina to engage Christian voters in the Charlotte area, his decision to skip the faith and freedom gathering underscores the crossroads he currently finds himself in politically. And... See a little bit further on. It was a remarkable moment. Oh wait, now I want to go a little further. Back, 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 back. At a time when Pence's main ideological causes are on the cusp of historic success, with the Supreme Court set to overturn the landmark abortion rights case, Roe v. Wade, he finds himself in the thick of intra-party drama. This week, the House Select Committee investigating the riots on Capitol Hill zeroed in on Pence's decision to resist Donald Trump's pressure for him to block certification of the Electoral College vote count. While Pence has so far dodged discussing the committee's proceedings, Trump used his own appearance at the Faith and Freedom Conference to attack his veep. Quote, Mike Pence had a chance to be great. He had a chance to be frankly historic, Trump said. But Mike did not have the courage to act. Yeah, right, Donald. It was a remarkable moment for a conference that in the past years served as a celebration for the former vice president as a top conservative Christian leader. But things have changed since Trump left office. Last year, in the shadow of January 6th, Pence was jeered by the crowd and called a, quote, traitor, unquote, while on stage. Now, when asked about what they think of Pence or how they view his political future, attendees sighed or visibly shrugged. And that article continues on, can be found under the headline, Pence Skips Faith and Freedom Conference is Attacked by Trump Anyways. Shouldn't that be anyway? Anyway, the topic is the Nebraska conservative movement's war with itself, Phone number here is 402-474-5086. And you're listening to KZUM. We just had our blues blowout. I played some blues Saturday night. I wanted to get from 1916 to 1955. But uh, I thought, well, the songs are pretty short. I hope I have enough. But even short songs take time to play. So I only got to 1937 with Robert Johnson. But I think I'll play a blues song now and be back in a moment. Now, in the commentary in the Nebraska Examiner by Chris Chapelair, he mentions, All of this is without mentioning electing as National Committee Woman a person who attended the January 6th rally and who has, at the very least, flirted with supporting one of two independent candidates for governor in this fall's election, contrary to current Nebraska Republican Party policy and the extreme policies they seek to implement. And who are those candidates? 
Well, it mentions one in another article by the Nebraska Examiner. Former Republican right could join Nebraska governor's race as nonpartisan. His running mate, Dirks, is still registered as a Republican. This is by Aaron Sandiford from September 4th, 2022. And the topic is the Nebraska conservative movement's war with itself. Omaha, Nebraska voters looking beyond the two major political parties and a libertarian could have a fourth choice on November's election ballot for governor. Long odds candidate David Wright of Ewing is trying to get on as a nonpartisan candidate. Wright, a former Republican who has re-registered as nonpartisan, should hear next week if he turned in enough valid signatures to petition into the fall ballot. Wright spoke at a Kearney event organized in July by the Nebraska Freedom Coalition to help topple the former leaders of the Nebraska Republican Party. He is a longtime conservative who advocates replacing income and property taxes with a sales tax on goods and services called a consumption tax. Well, of course, this is part of the core agenda to shift the tax burden off of those who are richer onto those who are poorer, while at the same time cutting all public services, protections, and benefits. Now, since they're always going on about how it's a tiny minority who pays the majority of the taxes and that the majority that doesn't pay nearly enough taxes. And, of course, this is why they have to lie to sell their product, uh, being conservatism and conservative movement economics, because, you know, you're trying to tell the majority of people that they should pay more and get less. So... You know, they used to say, well, this will make you all more prosperous, all of this more prosperous, and, you know, trickle down. And, well, that didn't happen. So then now it's uh, the principle of the thing. It's wrong that, uh, you know, the wealthier people should pay at a higher rate. How unfair to the poor, rich people. And, of course, the poor should pay more because, well, hard times make hard men, and the harder it is on them, the better. It'll make, you know, motivate them to work harder, to be successful, except really when, you know, it's like Nietzsche's uh, argument, uh, what does not kill you makes you stronger. Well, I think if I take a saw and cut off some of your limbs, then, uh, you know, that will not kill you, but I don't think you'll be stronger. And in this case, it's putting more burden on the poor people while uh, relieving them of uh, public services and protections and benefits so that they uh, are even more miserable, have less money to better their own situation, let alone to spend and create uh, jobs through their uh, consumer demand for uh, goods and services, which they wouldn't have money for. So why would businesses be hiring people or expanding when they can just buy out the competition and merge production facilities and lay off workers and increase fish productivity and um, have their stock go up and then use the extra money to buy it back and become even wealthier with uh, you know all the private equity fund and uh, hedge fund management 
tax breaks. Anyway, back to the article. Yes, he wants... I often say taxation is theft. It's just the conservatives want to steal from you in a different way. They want to steal through, from you through sales taxes and flat taxes. Always love the sales taxes and flat taxes. Never the oh progressive income tax where you would charge those who, well, you know. Anyway, back to the article. Yes, he is a longtime conservative who advocates replacing income and property taxes with a sales tax on goods and services called a consumption tax. Well, don't they all? There's nothing special there. His campaign declined to comment Friday about the signatures. Wright is a former rancher who helped found the Independent Cattlemen of Nebraska. He owned weekly newspapers in Neely, Ewing, and Clearwater, which his campaign website he says he sold in 2019. A nonpartisan, a partisan nonpartisan. As an interesting quirk, his pick for lieutenant governor on a potentially nonpartisan ticket is still registered as a Republican. Tom Dirks, a social worker and a former legislative candidate in Lincoln, is the son of former former state senator Cap Dirks. The Secretary of State's office said it could find no state law that prevents Dirks from running as a nonpartisan candidate for lieutenant governor while being a Republican. Nebraska election law prevents gubernatorial candidates from running as nonpartisans if they belong to a party. It does not ponder the running mates of nonpartisans petitioning onto the ballot. Mm, loophole there. Potential impact on GOP. If Wright makes the fall ballot, he could pull some conservative voters away from the GOP nominee for governor, University of Nebraska Regent Jim Pillen of Columbus. Another wrinkle could be the write-in candidacy of former GOP Secretary of State candidate Robert Borer, an election denier who has said Pillen is not his GOP nominee. Borer has until October 28th to file the affidavit to have his write-in votes counted, officials said. He will also have to pay a $1,050 filing fee. He had not filed as of Friday afternoon. Bohr, in a message to supporters Saturday, described his effort as a, quote, war on the self-appointed ruling class. End quote. He said, quote, patriots should vote against Pillen and blood. End quote. Wright, Bohr, and Libertarian candidate Scott Zimmerman of Omaha could shave off some of the 258,000 voter registration advantage that the GOP and its candidates enjoy over Democrats in Nebraska. But Pillen remains the race's favorite over Democratic State Senator Carol Blood of the Bellevue, political observers said. GOP and Dems react New Nebraska Republican Party Chairman Eric Underwood send, said in a previous interview that he respects the right of Republicans and former Republicans to speak out and run. But he said the party and his fellow Republicans support Pillen as their nominee. State GOP spokeswoman Meg Kalina preached unity behind Pillen and other conservative Republican candidates, quote, rooted in the Constitution. Oh, I guess that's why they want to overturn elections on made-up stuff. She called him the, quote, governor-elect. 
Well, I, I think you have to win before you get that. Anyway, quote, Republicans are the party of conservative values, Kalina said in a statement Friday, quote, one message, one goal, one team. That sounds a lot like uh, one nation, one party, one leader. I think I've heard that before. Nebraska Democratic Party Chair Jane Klebe said she sees something else, a Republican Party that is, quote, torn at the seam, quote, They do not have a unified party, Klebe said. Quote, there are at least three competing factions that will divide up their votes, giving Democrats a clear path, not only for Congress and governor, but for the legislature as well. End quote. What's next? Under state law, Wright must gather 4,000 signatures statewide, including 750 from each of Nebraska's three congressional districts. Verification takes days. Election officials at, at the state and county levels will have to hurry because the November ballot must be finalized by September 16th to print ballots for early voting. And that article can be found under the headline, Former Republican Right Could Join Nebraska Governor's Race as Nonpartisan. And it's now 11.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. This is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD! Support for KZUM comes from the Unitarian Church of Lincoln, whose vision is to be a loving community, uniting reason with spiritual exploration to transform our world. Sunday services in person at 6300 A Street and online at 10 a.m. More information can be found at unitarianlincoln.org. KZUM has been the voice of the community since 1978 and welcomes everyone's opinion. However, any editorials presented on this station are those of the commentators. The opinions expressed in our programming do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, the management, or the Sunrise Communications Board of Directors. What's up, metalheads? This is Ricky Six, and it's that time again, the Metal Manifesto Benefit. Listen local, stay metal at Gray's Keg on Friday, September 9th, starting at 6 p.m., and Saturday, September 10th, starting at 5 p.m. Shirts available for the event that gets you into both days. Be sure to catch Far, In Hush Tones, Twisted Chrome, PKP, Crimson Driver, Viscerous, Zoo Vistrig, Evil Shadows, Happy Hazard, Echo, Molten, Peace, Love, and Strict Nine, The Fallen, and Siphon Live. A quick shout out to our sponsors, Trader Tape Comics, Justin Neighborhood Meets, Glacial Till Vineyards, Randall's Construction, Ashes to Ember Studio, Comic Electric, and as always, Metal John. Show your support of local music and KZUM, listen local, and stay metal. We are kings, we are zealots, we are ultimates, we are metalheads. And the Servative Hour is followed by The Groove Machine, which is on from midnight until 2 a.m. Wednesday mornings. And... The weather, it's now 76 degrees Fahrenheit, predicted to be a low of 64 degrees, with a high tomorrow of 92. Humidity is 70%, and winds light at 10 miles per hour. Clear skies, 
and uh, I think almost a half moon right now. Group wants audit of Nebraska election, state senator backs it. Democrats say the effort is in bad faith. Yes, it's more... What do you call it? Election denying? Election uh, attempting to destroy? Right. Uh, this is from 3newsnow.com. 3newsnow. And it's by John Kipper from September 30th, 2021. One right-wing group, the Nebraska Freedom Coalition, is calling for an audit of Nebraska's election, specifically two counties, Douglas and Sarpy. The coalition is asking for a state-backed effort checking both ballots and software. This effort is backed by State Senator Rob Clements. Quote, If they find some errors that we're not quite following procedures correctly, that's the way we can fix them, said Clements. Secretary of State Bob Emden had no comment Thursday on the possibility of an audit. In the 2020 election, Congressman Don Bacon won by 5% more votes than Democrat Kara Eastman. Those same 2nd District residents voted for Biden over Trump by 7%. A similar pattern occurred in 2008 as District 2 residents voted for Barack Obama and Republican Representative Lee Terry. Clements said that doesn't match up. Quote, the Republican didn't seem to be correlating as well as it had in the past, he said. Oh, well, maybe that's because the Donald wasn't quite as popular. Anyway, back to the article. Secretary of State Bob Evans said one day after the 2020 election that while he was curious why some mail-in ballots didn't get returned, no reports of voter fraud or intimidation occurred. Quote, Nebraskans can be proud of their participation in the elections of 2020, Evans said. Clements also says he was persuaded the election may have been fraudulent from a presentation by Dr. Douglas Frank, an Ohio-based crackpot, I mean educator, who says he has algorithms to show the election was rigged. Frank works closely with my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell. Oh, well, there's a lot of credibility there, who has pushed that the 2020 election was fraudulent since November. Multiple media fact checks have proven Lindell's claims to be false and riddled with errors. Secretary of State Bob Evnen did reach out to Dr. Frank and his office, tells 3 News Now, that Frank did not respond. Evnen's office also said, quote, Without the formula that yielded the algorithm, there's no way to confirm its claimed predictions. And I said, as I've said before, I think it's shameful that they even pander to these crackpots. Oh, well. Nebraska Democrats say the whole point is in bad faith and persuades voters not to come to the polls in the future. Vice Chair of the Nebraska Democratic Party, Spencer Danner, believes any audit would sow discord in future elections. Quote, if they continue to undermine the public trust in the voting process, that's what's really going to disengage Nebraska voters moving forward, he said. Danner, who ran against Evnen for Secretary of State in 2018, points to the Arizona audit, which showed that Joe Biden did indeed win the state as a failed tactic that Republicans keep going to because they lost the election. 
Quote, they cannot come up with fresh ideas, so they keep trying to come up with these failed ones, said Danner. <clears throat> and speaking of coming up with failed ideas, new Herbster-backed, quote, Nebraska First, sort of like America First, PAC, aims to bolster state, local conservatives, bolster the state and local conservatives. This is by Aaron Sandford, Nebraska Examiner, political reporter. But I found this on NebraskaPublicMedia.org, and it's from August 25th, 2022. Omaha, Nebraska Republican Charles Herbster, after finishing second in the GOP governor's primary race, is trying to reclaim his former role as a conservative kingmaker and mega-donor. He and his team announced a new political action committee Thursday, aimed at pushing state and local GOP office holders and candidates farther to the right. The pack is called, quote, Nebraska first, unquote. Quote, while I came up short in my bid to be our next governor, I fully intend to remain active in fighting for the traditional Christian conservative values our state and country were founded on, Herbster said in a statement, quote, during my campaign, I talked about a lot of issues and ideas that resonated with voters. With Nebraska First, we want to make sure those voters have a voice in their government. Oh, he wants to make sure the uh, craziest people have a voice in the government. Speaking of the craziest people, maybe you've heard of the horseshoe theory, the idea that uh, as you get further to the extremes of the far right and the far left... Although, terms are so, I mean, conservatives call anyone who opposes them uh, leftists or communists when it would be just as appropriate to call them communists for their belief in thugocracy and uh, reality denying. You know, that uh, power... Uh, Political power comes from uh, money and brute force rather than consent of the governed. And uh, respect for uh, human rights, civil rights, any rights, oh, except for maybe uh, locked and loaded rights. Which, well, that's another topic. All right. Uh, okay, I saw this first on uh, Sputnik News. Now, there's uh, Russia Today and Sputnik News. And Russia Today is kind of like Fox News, and uh, Sputnik is like uh, Newsmax. And really, they have the same articles with the same editorial slant. So it's really hard to tell which uh, where it's coming from. But the harsher theory is that the extremes of the far left and the far right come together like a horseshoe to uh, come close to each other around crazy and um, denial of reality. And, well, you know, in social media battle, um, it's really those flying the uh, leftist flag of useful idiots on the left for Putin-Trump that uh, really encounter the most. And anyway, I'll just go on with this article from the latimes.com. Russian charged with using U.S. groups to spread propaganda. And this is by 
Eric Tucker and Mike Schneider from July 29th, 2022. Hey, my birthday. Washington, a Russian operative under the supervision of one of the Kremlin's main intelligence services has been charged with recruiting political groups in the United States to advance pro-Russia propaganda, including during the invasion of Ukraine, the Justice Department said Friday. The indictment of Alexander Viktorovich Ionov reflects what U.S. officials say are ongoing Russian government efforts to meddle in the American political process, to shape public opinion, and to sow discord and dissent on hot-button social issues. In this case, authorities say Ionov, from 2014 through March 2022, recruited political groups in Florida, Georgia, and California and directed them to spread pro-Russia talking points. He also paid for member group members to attend government-funded conferences in Russia, as well as a protest in the U.S. to counter efforts to silence online support for Moscow's Ukraine invasion, the indictment says. Quote, as court documents show, Ionov allegedly orchestrated a brazen influence campaign, turning U.S. political groups and U.S. citizens into instruments of the Russian government. Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, head of the Justice Department's National Security Division, said in a statement, Ionov worked under the supervision of Russia's Federal Security Service, or FSB, which conducts domestic intelligence and counterintelligence activities and reported his activities back to the agency. Prosecutors say he is the founder and president of the Anti-Globalization Movement of Russia, a Moscow-based group that prosecutors say advocates for a, quote, fully sovereign Russia, end quote. The indictment in federal court in Tampa, Florida, charges him with conspiring to have U.S. citizens act as illegal agents of the Russian government. It was not immediately clear if he had a lawyer who could speak on his behalf, and he is not currently in custody. The indictment does not name any of the organizations Ionov sought to recruit, but it does describe how describe one of them as a St. Petersburg, Florida group whose leaders knew that Ionov and his group were agents of a foreign government. Prosecutors say Ionov in 2015 directed the group to post a petition titled, quote, Petition on Crime of Genocide Against African People in the United States, unquote. The Change.org petition notes America's history of slavery and denial of civil rights for black people. It argues the U.S. government still fails, quote, to protect our health and well-being as expected under full citizenship and inflicts state or state-supported violence and terror on us. The petition is labeled as being from the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement. That's Uhuru, like, uh, you know, the communications uh, chief in Star Trek. A black national. Oh. The petition is labeled as being from the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, a black international socialist organization. Representatives from the group said the FBI raided their center in St. Petersburg on Friday. Aliki Annie, who describes herself as director of agitation and propaganda for the African People's Socialist Party, said agents searched her car and took her cell phone and laptop computer Friday in addition to raiding the Uhuru House. Annie said her organization had never received money from Ionov or any other members of the Russian Intelligence Service. Okay. Members of the Uhuru movement first met Ionov in Russia 
when they were invited to an anti-globalization conference, and Annie said she also had been in contact with Ayanov via email and webinar after Russia invaded Ukraine since, quote, we were getting one side of the story on Russia and Ukraine. All right. So, what's the point exactly? Well, you'll have online, and sometimes in person, black nationalists, white nationalists, and hippies against the war and for uh, alternative medicine, all posting the same Russian propaganda. They will all say that the real war criminals in Syria, not Bashar Assad, but the U.S. and NATO and uh, the U.N., and they'll say it wasn't Slobodan Milosevic wasn't the war criminal. It was, uh, again, uh, the U.S. and NATO and uh, the U.N. So uh, whenever you encounter what seems to be an extreme interest in supporting Bashar al-Assad and Slobodan Milosevic and, uh, well, and so on, <clears throat> like I said, useful idiots on the left for Putin-Trump and you'll even find this group, the, uh, what was it, the, what was it again? Oh, and, and what they did, the <clears throat> African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru group, they would show up at uh, campaign rallies and events for Democrats and uh, government meetings and heckle the Democrats for uh, being racists, for not supporting reparations. And often in these flying left-wing flag groups, you will see them uh, you know, just really not having anything to say about the Republicans or Donald Trump other than to say, well, uh, you know, the Democrats are... You know, they're no, they're no worse than the Democrats. The, the, you know, the Democrats are... The, or else they will be actually supporting uh, the right-wing... Uh, candidates and spokespeople and talking points and you'll wonder wow this is supposed to be a left-wing group but it seems to be right there with all the trumpiest talking points and then uh you will find that uh when it comes to useful idiots on the left who support these uh russian propaganda outlets with their putin trump message you'll have something like oh democracy now with the headline quote bogus charge unquote FBI raids African People's Socialist Party, and then they will have a long interview with the leaders of the movement who will say, oh, it's so wrong to accuse us of being, uh, you know, just Russian agents, and isn't it terrible how uh, no one's uh, telling Russia's side of things and opposing the obvious colonialism of NATO and the U.S. in Ukraine. Yeah, right. Anyway, a side point there. Back to the uh, the Nebraska conservative movement's war with itself. I just wanted to mention that when you see these extremes of the horseshoe theory from uh, the extreme of the far right or the extreme of the far left, actual leftists, they all have in common. They hate Democrats and the Democratic Party and the uh, you know uh, rule of law and democracies and seem to really love dictatorships for some reason. Well, maybe they're funded by and given their talking points and uh, 
news feeds from corrupt criminal dictatorships flying a left-wing flag of anti-war, pro-natural cures, and uh, Democrats are racists for not supporting reparations. Right. Okay, let's see. Okay, Herbster's PAC Political Action Committee. I wonder where their money will be coming from. Well, he's got a lot himself, but uh, every bit should be tracked. Because uh, Herbster was schmoozing with Trump team January 5th and 6th as the detailed plans to overturn election. Text messages show what happened in his own words. This is from February 26th, 2022. <clears throat> By Aaron Sandiford from NebraskaExaminer.com. Three minutes after rioters pushed past police lines west of the U.S. Capitol last January, Charles Herbster received a text from a campaign staffer in Nebraska telling him the Capitol was locked down. Quote, Thank you, unquote, Herbster replied at 2.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from a Secret Service motorcade near the White House. A minute later, he wrote, quote, I was expecting as much, unquote. Herbster, a leading candidate for Nebraska governor who touts his ties to Trump, spent much of January 5th through 6th, 2021, with then-President Donald Trump's inner circle, including his sons, the Conklin Company CEO, who donated $1.3 million to Trump's presidential campaigns, knew more about the run-up to the January 6th protests than he has previously acknowledged. Herbster's actions and reactions are detailed in more than 130 texts he and his campaign staff exchanged over a 25-hour period before, during, and after protesters breached the Capitol. Several people with knowledge of the texts obtained by the Nebraska Examiner confirmed their authenticity. And this article continues on. Show anyway, you know, the national spokesman for the Nebraska Republican Party was there on January 6th. Charles Herbster is getting a political action committee together to influence politics in Nebraska. And he was there on January 6th. He was there on January 5th and on the planning. There in the room where it happened. <clears throat> And then uh, conservative media figures gather for Freedom Fest in Sarpy County. This is from uh, August 28, 2022, from, KM, from 3newsnow.com. Omaha, Nebraska, KMTV, and this is by the staff, a number of conservative media personalities made their way to Sarpy County Saturday afternoon to perform at a festival focused on supporting conservative candidates for office. This afternoon, Freedom Fest kicked off at the Sarpy County Fairgrounds. Organizers say the event had seen significant growth in the last year. This year featured a number of controversial figures like January 6th organizer Ali Alexander and Omaha native January 6th participant Brandon Straka. So it's all about support for January 6th, support for... Uh, you know, they'll say, well, the QAnon shaman, was he really going to overturn the government or the guy with the pom-pom on his head carrying away the speaker's podium? Well, there were also people there with uh, pistols and flex cuffs in their pockets, and it wasn't that they were going to overturn the government. It was that uh, Trump was hoping the military and the uh, National uh, Security Agency and the CIA and all the people who 
all the officials he had replaced with uh, acting uh, director of national intelligence, uh, uh, secretary of defense, uh, you know, uh, national security agency, Rick Grinnell, former uh, public relations man, now director of national security, and Cash Patel, whose former job was working for Devin Nunes, uh, promoting Seth Rich uh, pro-Russia conspiracy theories. Except they all chickened out. They and also the military and the generals told them, uh, "No way, you guys are going to end up end up in prison if you tr even try it." So the coup failed. But if they'd had more competent people there, more uh, and less people resisting them. Well, like they say, they want to drain the swamp, by which they mean they want to get rid of all the people who uh, actually would obey the law and put in people who would allow them to get away with uh, telling lies and committing crimes. Because as Voltaire said, if you can get people to believe absurdities, you can get them to commit atrocities, which brings us back to the nature of conservative movement media, that it exists to allow them to float absurdities and promote absurdities in an atmosphere where no no one's ever able to challenge them because, of course, it's rigged. And then now it's come to the point where they want to be able to get away with uh, committing crimes and not have any challenge from anyone on that. Well, this has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening, and good night to you all. <laughs>